0: Amen. 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 You may be seated. This morning we are going to partake of communion after the message this morning, but I want to encourage you today that the truth of God's word can set you free this morning. You know, it's not just enough to hear the word of God, you have to believe the word of God. You have to enter in and grab a hold of it for yourself and receive the benefits and the blessings that God has for us. Can you say amen? Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, I wanna speak to you for a few moments, those of you that are watching by live stream, we welcome you. Once again, we encourage you to just share this post, even those of you that are watching. And I wanna talk to you this morning about encounters with Christ. Encounters with Christ. The reality of it is, we all understand this, but I think we are much more aware of it today in what uh, we're facing in our world, that life can be very confusing. It's hard to, to know what to believe at times, Um, I'm sure you've seen so many conspiracy theories, so many different videos, YouTube, so many different perspectives. Uh, Does anybody have a handle on all of it? I'm sure some of you do. I know there's some real clever people here this morning. Maybe I'll just have you come up and take over from here. But the reality of it is, uh, during times like this, we can become discouraged. Faith, what do you believe? How do you process Life. How do you process all that's happening through the grid uh, of the scriptures, through, through the perspective of God's word? And sometimes the struggles can be so intense, but the other times they can be just kind of subtle. Sometimes our personal world and the world at large could come crashing down and not make much sense. So this morning, I want to look at the scriptures As followers of Christ, how do we deal with it all? How do we overcome the struggle that we have, maybe with unbelief or with a lack of faith? I believe when we encounter Christ, it makes all the difference. The struggles that we all have with eternal truths are graphically and brilliantly portrayed in this powerful encounter with Christ. And it's a long passage, but I wanna read it because it'll set the context. How many of you are in Luke chapter 24, verse 13? Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they were leaving the city of Jerusalem, traveling away from it, going to Emmaus, and you know what day this was? This was Easter Sunday. I should have called this Easter Sunday because we didn't get to celebrate it via live stream. But it says they, they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happen there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them, Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. I think that is important this morning because we are going to partake of communion. And here is Jesus with these two disciples. One is unnamed, I think that's um, important or, or it's helpful, maybe you can place your name in there. And the other one was Cleopas. And Jesus breaks bread with them and the Bible says, verse 31, then their eyes were opened. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. May the Holy Spirit work in your heart, in your life, in this church today. May the Holy Spirit open our eyes. May we know him in a greater way this morning. Amen. Yes. And then look at the next verse. And then they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the scriptures, while he opened the scriptures to us? That's called Holy Ghost burn. That's good burn. Their hearts burned within them So this morning we we look at this passage and we want to pray and believe for the, the mighty ministry of God's Holy Spirit to powerfully speak to us and impact us so that we can encounter Christ again in his word and even in the breaking of bread. Here we have these two disciples, the Bible tells us that they had left Jerusalem after the Passover, after uh, Jesus' crucifixion, his his death, his burial, his resurrection, and they were uncertain. They were a bit confused, and they're they're leaving Jerusalem, and they're they're walking towards Emmaus. It's a seven-mile trek, and one of them is named. The other is not. The Bible tells us in verse 17 that their conversation was one of discouragement they were sad they were talking and instead of encouraging they were discouraging have you ever found that there are certain people in your life that you know if you talk to them about your problems you're going to get deeper in them And then there are other people that you could talk to and they're going to be a breath of fresh air. They're going to bring encouragement. They're going to bless you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to believe with you. Which one are you this morning? I trust you're one of encouragement. But here they are and they're downcast. They're they're sad. In verses 18 to 24, I won't read them. I already did. They were confused. You see, they had heard and they had seen the message of Jesus Christ. They had heard the preaching, the teaching. They they had also seen it demonstrated. They had seen the crucifixion, the burial. They had not experienced the uh, resurrection for themselves, but they had heard from others. But but they had not fully understood the whole message, and I want to get into that in a moment Verse 25, Jesus rebukes them and says that they were foolish. And you know what it says in the original language? You're so dull. (laughs) You know, sometimes the Lord, you know, just very straightforward, uh, very real, just says it as it is. You're dull. Oh, foolish ones, not to believe in all that the prophets had said. So they're struggling in their faith. Uh, and and the reason why they're struggling in their faith, and I think sometimes we struggle in our faith, is because we don't believe in all the word of God. And I'm going to get into that in a moment. So my, my question in these next few moments is, how does Jesus deal with them? How does Jesus walk into their lives, deal with their discouragement, their confusion, and their struggle? I believe it's the same way that Jesus deals with us. Number one, quickly, and I've got got six of these, and if I take 10 or 15 minutes apiece, we'll be here until the second service. So I'll only take a couple, because we have to have communion. But the first thing that Jesus does, in verse 15, Jesus drew near, and he went with them. Number one, in our discouragements, in our confusions, in our struggles, He draws near to us, and he walks with us. What did Jesus do? The Bible says he drew near to them, and he just walked with them. You know, sometimes in life, all we need is somebody to be with us and walk through with us. Sometimes it's just someone else's presence to be with us in our struggle, in our confusion, In 29 years of marriage, we've walked through some times of discouragement, of confusion, of sadness, and and struggles. And you know what? There were times that people just walked with us. And what encouragement it ministered to us, what support, what help. But most importantly, Jesus will draw near to you and he'll walk with you. That is his word, hallelujah. The psalmist says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves such as are crushed in spirit. The Lord will walk with you. You know, there'll be times when people might not be with you. What did did Paul say in 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 2 Corinthians? He said, at my first trial, when I had to face my, my, my accusers, he said, no one stood with me. I looked around and there was no one from church to support me. There was no one that I had helped and ministered to and and, and led to Christ. There was no one there, but Jesus stood with me. He said, the Lord stood with me, and he strengthened me. This is real, brothers and sisters. This is real. God's presence is real. His strength is real. I can't fully explain it, but I know there are times when God has drawn close to me and walked with me, and I have felt his strength. Jesus will walk with you. Turn to the person next to you say, "He will. he will walk with you. Jesus drew near and he walked with them. Number two, he entered into their world. He entered into their world. Look at verse 17. He says, what are you talking about? Verse 19, what things? I just love this about Jesus. He walked into their world, and he entered into it. You know that Jesus is big enough to handle all of your questions. He's big enough to handle all of your, your issues. You know, many times we, we, we think that, well, you know, I can't tell God this. This is, this is private. This is, he already knows it. He knows all things. The Bible says it's all naked and bare laid before him. He sees it all. He entered their world. You know that the incarnation, the coming of God in the form of man is all about God entering our world so that he could relate to us and we can relate to him. He came down to our level because we couldn't get up to his level. Aren't you glad that God came? The Bible says he dwelt among us and he manifested his glory. He tabernacled among us. He came into our world. Jesus comes into your world. You know, he comes right into your thoughts. The Bible is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God knows your thoughts. He wants to come into your world. But you know what? We have to invite him too. You know what the Bible tells us in Revelation of a church in Laodicea? This church had really closed the doors to God. I, don't, I can't comprehend that. How did it happen? You know how it happens? It happens subtly. We make choices. We make decisions. Little by little, we push out God. We make decisions to, to put other things in before God. And, and here's what happens. Jesus is now standing at the door and he's knocking to come into his own house. Think about that. That blows my mind. It's his church. It's his house. They're his people. And he's on the outside. So we have to open up. This morning, I encourage you, open up your heart to God. Don't let the lies of this world, don't let the confusion of this world, don't let your sadness harden your heart to God. Open up your heart. Let him in. Number three, he lovingly confronts them. Look at verse 25. He said to them, O foolish ones, O dull of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? You see, Jesus lovingly confronts them. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. We don't like that part of the gospel. You know, when we sin, when we fail, we can hide it from people. You know, I found some Christians that are real slick. Crumbs all over their face. I didn't put my hand in a cookie jar. It wasn't me. Somebody that looked like me. You got crumbs all over your face. You put your hand in the cookie jar. You stole the cookies wasn't me. But you know what? You can lie to people, but you can't lie to God. God sees everything. And and he lovingly corrects us. You know, he challenges us. You know, we want a God. We want a Jesus that just pats us in the back, blesses us, encourages us, supports us in whatever we do. When we fail, just winks at it. He loves us. He gives us grace, but he also confronts us. Why? Because he does not want us to continue in ways of rebellion and sin that will further complicate our lives and eventually destroy our lives. Sin, when it's full grown, the Bible says, brings forth death. Sin's not something to be taken lightly. And, and, and here, you know what the sin is? It's unbelief. And again, we, we make light of unbelief. Oh, I'm just not, I don't have much faith. Oh, I just can't believe. You know what the Bible says? It's an evil heart. Of unbelief, so we have to be careful this morning. See, Jesus rebukes him because this was a faith issue. Part of the problem was their failure to accept all of the scriptures. Notice, look—I want you to look at this. This is important. Verse twenty-five: "O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in a double L, all that the prophets had spoken." Verse twenty-seven, beginning at Moses and A-double-L, the prophets. He expounded to them in A-double-L, the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What does that say? All. All the gospel. All the scriptures. We're living in a culture. We're living in a world. Even American Christianity. God, help us. You know, in in many countries of the world where they're persecuted by their faith, they're not worrying about a lot of things that American church is worried about. Numbers and this and buildings and all the, all the externals. They're worrying about sharing their faith. They're worrying about standing true to Christ when they're persecuted. They're worrying about their very lives, but, but they're willing to give it for Christ. You see, we have accepted American form of the gospel that, that has so much worldliness, worldliness mixed in that we fail to understand the whole gospel. We, we want blessing, but we don't want ministry. We want, we want the favor of God, but we don't want accountability. We want uh, uh, the part of the gospel that's all about blessing, but we don't want sacrifice. Some people's form of sacrifice is, oh, I, I, I had to come to church instead of watching it live stream. Hello? You see, God confronts us. Jesus confronted them. He disciplined them to train them in righteousness. And this morning, maybe God will challenge you. What tends to happen is we shift the blame to other people. Can we say this morning, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister. It's me, Lord. And we also receive the whole gospel of Christ. What else did Jesus do? He opens up the scriptures to them. Verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This blows me away. We have right now Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of God, in his glorified state. Having conquered death, hell, and the grave. Here we have the greatest teacher, an unrivaled tutor, the master instructor, the fountainhead of all wisdom, the one who would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know what he uses as his textbook? The book of books, the Bible the best of all books. Although Christ was able to reveal fresh truths, he preferred to expound the old. Someone once said, if it's new, it's not true. He expounded the Old Testament. The most instructive way of teaching was to turn to the book of Moses and the writings of the prophets. What was the surest road to wisdom? It wasn't philosophy. It wasn't human wisdom. It wasn't speculation. But it was the word of God. What did Jesus have at his disposal? Think of it. It was the son of God. He was the fountainhead of all wisdom. All knowledge was embodied in Christ. He had all the wisdom. He could have unraveled the the mysteries of the universe. But what did he do? To encourage these two, he broke open the bread of life and began to share the scriptures. When Jesus sought to inspire, enrich, and encourage others, he turned to the scriptures. What you and I have in our hands this morning, we have the precious, holy, powerful, life-changing word of God. We can read it, we can listen to it, we can memorize it. But my question to you is, how much of that do you do? Do you take time every day to spend time in the word of God? What a privilege we have, what an opportunity, what a treasure we have in the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Hallelujah, Job said it, I have desired your word more than my necessary food. The psalmist said, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. John Wesley, the great Methodist revivalist and reformer, mightily used of God, he said this about the word. He said, I have thought, I am a creature of a day, passing through life as an arrow through the air. I am a spirit come from God and returning to God, just hovering over the great gulf till a few moments hence, I am no more seen. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. How to land safely on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach the way for this very end he came from heaven and he has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, Give me the book of God. I have it. Here is enough knowledge for me. We have the book of God. What did the master do? He turned to the scriptures. Paul did the same thing in his life and ministry. Paul the apostle, arguably the greatest Christian that ever lived. What did he do when he went to Corinth? He said to them, when I was with you, I was with you in fear and trembling and much weakness. But he said, you know, my preaching and my teaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of of the power of God. For I determined, listen, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul was determined, he said, listen, I know I'm coming to this Greek city in Corinth and, and I know that there are philosophers and I know that there are those that are looking for eloquence and, and looking for this, all this philosophizing and all this rhetoric. He says, you know what, he says, the Jews seek a sign, the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ and Him crucified. For Christ is the wisdom of God and his crucifixion and his resurrection are the power of almighty God. Hallelujah. What did Jesus do? How did he encourage them? He reveals himself to them. Look at verse 30. Look what the Bible tells us. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as he sat at the table that he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it and he gave it to them, then their eyes were open. Jesus reveals himself in the breaking of bread. Genesis 28, verse 16, Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Wow. Do you know that this emblem, or these emblems, and this, this ritual that we partake. You know, not all rituals are bad. Empty rituals are bad. But God has given us a ritual, a memorial, something to do regularly to remind us that there is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the gospel brings joy, the joy of forgiveness, the joy of abundant life, the joy of a new life. This morning, as we remember Christ, You see, the Bible says when he broke bread, that the disciples knew him. One more verse of scripture. How many of you love the word of God this morning? Amen. Look what the Bible says, verse 35. This is is the two afterwards testifying in a meeting with the other disciples. It says, verse 35, they told him about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them In what? The breaking of bread. Jesus wants to reveal himself in the breaking of bread. What blessed fellowship. What sweet fellowship to know Jesus in the breaking of his bread. Jesus said, this is my body that's broken for you. This is my blood that was shed for you. You know, there is nothing else in this world That can do for you and I what the blood and the broken body of Christ can do for us today. But do you believe that this morning? You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the gospel was preached to them, but it did not profit them. It didn't do any good because it wasn't mixed with faith. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And we're going to partake together, but maybe you can take a moment to begin to open this. It might take you a moment. But I want to pray that whatever you are going through this morning, that Jesus would make himself known to you. What is made known in the breaking of the bread and the the memorial of communion, you know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? He says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So you're proclaiming. This right here is a gospel sermon an illustration. Amen? That's what, that's what Jesus, that's what Paul said. He says, you're proclaiming as often as you take it. You're declaring that there was There was a body, a holy body of of the Son of God that was broken and his blood was shed and that's how there is forgiveness of sin. There's no other religion, there's no other philosophy, there's no other view in life that can do for you and I what this does. This is the gospel right here. You proclaim the gospel. This morning we receive it by faith. We thank God for it and you you know what Paul said? He says, until he comes, we're also proclaiming that Jesus died, but he's also coming again. Amen? Uh, I don't know if you got all everything figured out about what's going on in the world or how this is all going to work out. Uh, I don't, but I do know Jesus is coming back. And that's the hope that the Bible gives in confusing times. We don't have to figure it all out. All we need to know is what the word of God says and say, even so, Come, Lord Jesus. That's what the scriptures say. Amen. Amen. Let's partake together in faith. This is the body that was broken for you. Let's partake in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus also took the cup and he said, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for you. Let's, let's rejoice and thank God for his blood. In his forgiveness. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray together? What I want to encourage you as we go to God in prayer, I want to encourage you to put your faith in Christ this morning, in the simplicity of his word, believing the whole gospel today. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for the truth of your word, and I thank you that the word of God has power in it, To those who receive it, let there be an explosion, God, of your power in their spirit man, destroying everything that holds people back, holds people in bondage and lies and deception and and even in in guilt, Father. Set people free today, God. I pray, O Lord, that we will have known you today in a greater way through the breaking of bread. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. You are at liberty to go. Go in the presence of the Lord. Amen.